0: Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to the First Epistle General of John and reading from our text in the first chapter, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. We read together in Psalm 51 of David's repentance and petition to the Lord after he had sinned in the matter of Bathsheba and in the murder of Uriah, her husband, David had been convinced of sin through God sending Nathan, the prophet, to him and he had confessed that sin and said, I have sinned. The Lord also said, Nathan hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. The sentence, of course, against those that commit murder was death and yet he had been forgiven, uh, he had been pardoned and yet there was still to be the chastening hand of the Lord upon him, and there was also still to be the blessing of being restored. And this is uh, what David prays for here. He prays for forgiveness, but also to be washed, to be cleansed from his iniquity and his sin. He wants to have the Lord hide his face from his sins, but he wants also a clean heart. He wants the Lord's presence. He wants the joy of salvation restored. He wants everything made right again after the ravages of sin. And God has a way that poor sinners, when they sin, because we all sin, and sin separates, and it separates between our communion with God and with His people, and it brings us into a downward spiral. And we must know what is God's plan for His people that, though forgiven, they are still sinners, and in a sinful world, the world of which Satan is a, such a tempter and accuser of the brethren. What is God's plan for restoring a sinner, for bringing him back, for restoring joys and comforts and bringing him on his way? And it's very important for us that we be very clear on what is God's way, what is not God's way, so that we don't spend our efforts and be looking in a way that will never restore and never give joy and help. Nor do we listen to Satan who says, you sinned against light and knowledge. There's no hope for you. There'll be no restoring, no going back. Never again will you know the blessings and joy of fellowship with the Lord and his people. You can just give up. You can just have no hope. That is the devil speaking. But God does have a message. And in verse 5 of our Chapter here in 1 John, chapter 1, we read, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you. And in part of that message is this direction from the Lord to his people in what they are to do when they have sinned, when they have lost fellowship with him. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is a way back from sin, God's way back from sin. So I want to look with the Lord's help this morning at three points from this text and context showing us the way back from sin, The first is this, to be honest with ourselves about sin. The second is don't look in the wrong place. And there is a wrong place, a wrong way of trying to relieve ourselves from the burden of sin and the fruits and effects of sin. And thirdly, to trust and walk in God's way of forgiveness and of cleansing, which is set before us in our text. But firstly, we are to be honest with ourselves about sin. We have a deceitful heart, we are born in sin and shapen in iniquity, And the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And we should expect that from our own heart there will be those things that are not honest with ourselves about sin. We go about deceiving ourselves and happy to have that so. And it's a great mercy if we're delivered from that. There are countless millions in this world that though they are told the gospel or told the way of salvation, they're happy to believe a lie and happy to deceive themselves and to comfort themselves in hoping that there is to be deliverance and heaven at last when the Word of God is plainly telling them that that is not the case. May we be delivered from that deceit, from making the Word of God of none effect by saying, well, we, we, we are members of a church and uh, and really we, we, we do still attend and we still have the form of worship and we we'll trust it will be right at the end. And every warning, every admonition, every direction in the word of God falls upon our deaf ear because we think, well, that does not apply to us. It applies to someone else, but not us. When was the last time we read the word of God and we read that we are searching and we said, this applies to us. I am the character here described. I am the one that is guilty of this sin. I am the one, even it may be, that am walking in this sin and something must be done about it. We read in the verses prior to our text, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. We may be sure when we are to know and be honest about sin that if there is any darkness, any deceit, any lie, any uncleanness, anything contrary to the word of God that does not come from God, is not consistent with him, In here, in the context, God is described as light. He's also described in the word of God as a holy God, one that cannot look upon sin without utter abhorrence. He hates sin and hates evil, and for that reason he came, suffered, bled and died to deliver and save his people. We are liable to make sin to be Graded, as it were. We have great sins. And yes, you might say with David, murder and adultery were great sins. But whoso offendeth in one point is guilty of all, though he may not have committed those great outward sins. The Lord said, Whoso looketh upon a woman uh, to lust after in his heart hath committed adultery already with her in his heart even though he has not done like David did. Whosoever, says our Lord, hateth his brother without a cause, hath committed murder in his heart, although he may not have committed the murder of David and used the uh, people of Rabbah to do so, to slay Uriah, yet we are still transgressors in that way. And we can easily then just pass by this sin and that sin and live a life comforting ourselves that we can live as far or as close to the world as we can, as far from the Lord as we can and yet still get to heaven. But if the Lord has mercy to us, he will not allow us to go that way without us realising that we do not have communion with him anymore We do not have fellowship with the people of God. We are strangers to them. The word of God is a dry breast to us. We've lost the appetite for it. Our prayers are becoming hard and dead, short, distant, and no real feeling to them. We are shut out. The Lord is silent. He says in Ezekiel, I return to my place until they acknowledge their transgression. That was his purpose in withdrawing and so our first point here is to be honest to be honest about our transgressions about those things that we allow and do and go along with and do not deal with in our hearts and in our lives in our lives we read in verse 6 that if we are saying that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we actually lie. In other words, the Lord is saying, if you walk in darkness, if you walk in sin, and you do not walk in the truth, walk in the way of holiness, then you will not have fellowship with me. And if you still say that you are, and though you're walking in this way, you're actually lying. That is not the truth at all. And so... Uh, our, our walk has a direct relationship with our fellowship with the Lord. That is very evident in verse 6. Fellowship and walk, they go together. May we be honest with ourselves about that. Verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, God's people are not sinless in this life the hymn writer says sinless perfection we deny the chief of Satan's wiles and we do sin and we do have then sin that is to be confessed, sin that is to be dealt with, sin that is to be fled from sin that is to be managed we read in Hebrews 12 ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. You say, well, I'm a Christian, I'm working in my then we're not being honest with ourselves, because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and there's none that doeth good and sinneth not, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. It won't be the case that some, of the Lord's people need this text, and some don't. All need this text, and if we don't know the secret of it, then we're not being honest with ourselves and with our sin. Either excusing our sins or making out that, well, they're not too bad, not bad enough, so that we need to confess them and to forsake them. In verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. There's some that say, well, we do not have original sin. They don't believe that men are sinners at all and that we haven't sinned at all. But the word of God is very clear that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There are past sins as well as present sins and sins to come as well. We are under the law, we are under condemnation already in Adam. In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. It behoves us to be honest with ourselves concerning sin and not just be blinkered and just go through life as if, well, the disease that we have, the illness that we have is not really very serious. Now if we had an illness, a natural uh, type in our bodies, that was eating in our bodies, that had symptoms of it, and uh, we kept ignoring those symptoms, saying, well, it doesn't really matter, I'm really in remission, or it's not really affecting my work, or how I'm getting on, and we just ignore these breakings out, these symptoms, these evidences, and we don't apply any remedy nor seek remedy, we would call that person to be a foolish person. And so it is with sin. We are to be honest with ourselves about it, about its presence in us, its working in us, its effect upon us, and its separating Work between us and our God, alienating us from Him and from His people. So, may we have this first part, this vital aspect of dealing with sin or the way back from being banished and being distant from the Lord. The way back from sin is honesty. Truly facing up to what we are and what we do, and what we think and what we say. Secondly, we are not to look in the wrong place. What would we think of someone who had an illness, who had the symptoms? but though going to completely the wrong specialist, the wrong doctor, using the wrong medicines. We would say to them, how can you expect to be healed? How can that be a right remedy? And so it is regarding sin as well. The Word of God clearly sets out before us those ways that are wrong ways. We are born And under the covenant of works, do and live. A curse upon those that do not, a blessing on those that do. We are under the law. And very often the very first thing that we try and do is to deliver our sins by turning another leaf, by starting to do that which is good and right, and we think that by doing that shall banish all sins, shall blot them out, and shall set us on a right course, and shall make it all right between us and God. We look to works, we look to our own works. Imreiter knew it well when he says, I cannot promise future good to bring. M668 verse 4 God's people Will know that. I know that the good that I would I do not, the evil that I would not that I do. Wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? The Word of God sets before us, especially in the example of the children of Israel, how useless it is to be looking to a covenant of works. We have in Deuteronomy, we have through the law of Moses, those blessings set before the children of Israel and the curses set before them. We see through the pattern of their lives, the history of their nation, those times that they did walk well and the Lord blessed them. The times then that they turned aside and did evil And the Lord brought the rod and brought the curse upon them. And that is the pattern right the way through Israel. It was not a lasting blessing that was wrought through their works. And as a nation, it all culminated in the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. They had persecuted and killed the prophets that warned them. And they came at last and crucified the Lord of life and glory. And the Lord then brought on them in 70 AD the complete destruction of them, of his people, the banishment from their land. What a lesson we have in them. Many times we are directed in the New Testament Back to the Jews, back to their rebelliousness, back to their actions in the wilderness and pointing that here is nature, here is man trying to fulfil the law of God but cannot. And so we are directed away from works. Paul speaks to the Galatians and he says of them that while they were seeking to be under the ceremonial law, under the law that pointed to Christ, under those rules and regulations and laws that were to be obtained by the works of the flesh, they were not to be saved that way. They were still under condemnation. By the deeds of the law, no man living shall be justified or free from guilt. Bunyan in his pilgrim's progress pictures this very clearly when his pilgrim had gone through the wicked gate but then was seeking to be delivered from his burden, from the sins that were upon his back. And worldly wise man, he directed him to the law, he directed him to Sinai, but that mountain nearly fell on him He fled from it in terror. No help, no deliverance was to be found there. And it was not then until he came to the cross, until he came to Calvary, that he obtained that deliverance from his burden. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. To be spiritually minded is life and peace, to be carnally minded is death. There is a wrong place to look, looking at self, looking at our own efforts, looking at the law, looking at trying to fulfill it in our own strength, looking away from Christ, all outside of Christ, looking to man's direction, man's prescriptions, looking away from the word of God to that which man will set forth is a wrong place, a wrong way. The Jews in Christ's day, they laid before men burdens that were heavy to be borne, grievous to be borne, teaching four commandments, the traditions of men, implying that to do all of those traditions, all of those rituals, that there would be some relief, some saving in them. But our Lord, he cried to those that were burdened under those directions and under those prescriptions to come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so may we remember, there is a wrong place, and really the easy way to know the wrong place is all outside of Christ, all away from Christ. Every effort of our own to redeem and save our own soul, and to put things right in our own strength and in our own way. Now, course, this does not mean that we are then to sin that grace might abound, be careless and indifferent. A soul that is honest about sin will be honest in their desire that they be free from it and to be delivered from it and not walk in it and that every effort in that way will be made to abstain from sin and to flee from it but not, not with the thought that we will obtain forgiveness that way and not with the thought that by those efforts on their own that we will then free ourselves from the yoke and bondage of sin or bring ourselves again into fellowship with the Lord. Our desire to be free from sin is because we hate it, because we know that, what it did to our Lord, and we know what the wages of sin are, which is death. But don't look for deliverance then in a wrong place. Look for it in God's provision. So I want to look then thirdly, the right way. Trust and walk in God's way of forgiveness And cleansing. And this then is in our text. (coughs) Really, the ways of God's salvation are simple ways. Remember Naaman the Syrian? God's prescription was that she should go and wash in Jordan seven times and he was offended at it. It It's too simple. We need to be careful that we don't view God's prescription and say that is too simple. That can't be what my soul needs. I'm so sinful, so far off, so hard and cold. This surely can't be what God prescribes, but it is. And that is the path that we read off in Psalm 51 that David walked in. If we confess our sins, it is confession of sin, not before a priest, not before men. Yes, if we have sinned against a man, then we are to confess our faults one to another. But this is before God. David, in Psalm 51, you might say sinned against Bathsheba, he killed a husband, He committed adultery with her and he sinned against Uriah, taking away his life. But David says, Against thee, thee only, have I sinned. And sin is a transgression, not of the law of man, but of the law of God. And it is those sins that we are to confess to God and God alone. To come before him when we have been honest with our sins, and to tell the Lord about them, own them, confess them before him, lay them before him, and may we keep short records of this, not think, well, uh, I realise that I've sinned in this, I've said this, I've thought this, I've done this, but don't worry, I'll wait till my evening time of devotions, and then I'll confess it, may we be held to, live a life of that confession, Uh, may not be orderly, but uh, confessing even like Hannah, her lips moved, her voice was not heard, or sometimes not even, her lips moving. But it brought before the Lord in prayer and laid before the Lord, this is my sin, this is what I've done, this is what I've thought, this is evil. This is my life. These are these things that I would be rid of, but keep rising, rising up in my heart. And may we be reminded at this time of what our Lord said when the disciples came and said, How many times shall my brother sin against me and I t- and turn and repent and I forgive him till seven times? And the Lord said, "Nay." till 70 times 7. We are not to think, well, we have had to confess this sin so many times. We can't keep coming. We can't keep turning away. We can't keep repenting. Yes, again and again, it must be done. And so we would be encouraged to walk in this confession of sin. This is the way that the Lord would have his dear people to walk in. But there's two other aspects, and really we can draw these from the promises of our text. In confessing of our sin, there is a trust in the faithfulness of God to forgive us our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. If we confess our sins, how can he be faithful? What is he faithful to? How can he be just in forgiving a person their sins? And it was all centering in our Lord Jesus Christ, who has made sin for us who knew no sin, who endured the wrath of God. We read in chapter 2, He is the propitiation for our sins, a wrath-ending sacrifice, and not for ours only, that is, the Jews, but also for the sins of the whole world, the Gentile world as well, not for every man, woman, and child, but for those that are elect, those the people of God, those who know their sins, those who confess their sins. It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. God is faithful to his promise. is faithful to what he has undertaken to do in his beloved son. His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And that is from their sins today and tomorrow and the next day, right through our lives that sin shall not have dominion over us. For we are not under the law, but under grace. We are not seeking for salvation from the law. We're seeking it from the Lord. We're seeking it on mercy's ground. We're coming with the publican. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We're seeking it on the ground that our sins have been put away at Calvary. We're seeking it on the ground that the Lord Jesus Christ has finished the work that he has done what we could not done, that his blood has been shed for us. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And it is a confessing sinner that is bringing before God their trust in that blood, their resting in that precious blood that was shed at Calvary. So it is trust in the Lord, but he will do as he says here. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Now note this. Our part is the confession of sin. Our part in one sense is to, and it is the Lord's work to, to give us this, to do it. But it is faith it comes with the word of God, trust in this prescription. It is to... Trust in what the Lord will do for us. It's not forgiving ourselves. It's not dealing with ourselves and applying forgiveness and pardon and peace ourselves. The Lord will do that. We're looking to the Lord to do that for us. God to do it for us. We come as sinners. We come defiled. We come lost. We come ruined. We come with no hope in ourselves. But as we confess our sins, our hope is that the Lord will do for us. He will forgive. He will turn our captivity. He will wash us. He will cleanse us. He will take away the love of sinning. He will pardon our sins. And this shall be faithful and just. Because the debt has already been paid. Because the Lord has already suffered at Calvary. Because the Lord has said, that all sin and all iniquity shall be forgiven unto man, that he it is that has put away the sins of his people. I lay down my life for the sheep. I lay it down that I might take it again. This commandment have I received from my Father. He hath been made sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God, in him the hymn writer says sinners can say none but they how precious is the saviour and this prescription of the lord in dealing with our sin is designed to bring us to the saviour again and again and to and to prize the power of god and the work of god for us not a self-help remedy not a prescription from earth but a prescription from heaven in the word of God that needs a living God, a living saviour, and the power of the Holy Spirit to apply him to our souls and to set us free and to loose us from the cords of sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. The third aspect is this, to trust that he will cleanse us From all, not just some, but all sin, all unrighteousness, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It is the Lord that is able to cleanse our walk, not our resolutions, not our own efforts. The Lord Himself does this. We read in Ephesians, that it is through the washing of water by the word. The Lord uses the means of the word of God to cleanse us as we take heed to the word of God. We read, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. This is the Lord's work for his church and in his church. This is God's work. It's not our work to cleanse ourselves from our own righteous, unrighteousnesses or to forgive us our, our own sins but it is God's work to do so. And our eye must be solely upon him, looking to him to do this for us. And the prescribed way, the way that we are to walk, is a way of confessing unto the Lord, before the Lord, before our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, to come before him and seeking those blessings that flow from Calvary and the blessings that flow from a living Saviour, a living God, who's able to do exceeding far above all that we can ask or think. We read in Ezekiel chapter 36 a beautiful word of what the Lord will do for his people, sprinkling clean water upon them, From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you an heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. Cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Is not this what we have in our text? And here it is set forth in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel, and he says, Thus saith the Lord, I will yet, for this being quiet of by the house of Israel, to do it for them. This then is the work. As we confess our sins, the Lord doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves, blotting out our sins, forgiving us our sins, he is exalted to give repentance and remission of sins unto Israel, his spiritual Israel, his people, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, dear friends, may we know this remedy and in practice walk it out, coming before the Lord like dear David, and that we might know that bringing back from the path of banishment, a path of sin, a downward road, made tender in the fear of God, honest with ourselves concerning sin, and from day to day know what it is to come and be often confessing our sins before him. The Lord and his blessing. Amen.